The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and I want to thank you all for joining us today. I'm very glad that you're listening. Thank you also for liking the Spirit of Recovery page on Facebook. Thanks for posting on our wall, and uh, thank you for participating here with us on Spirit of Recovery. And I want to thank you also for letting your friends and the people in your recovery community and your unity community know about us here on unityonlineradio.org. It's great to be broadcasting on the topic of recovery and spirituality right here. And thank you for uh, letting me know how it's happening for you, what's going on for you and your spirituality and your recovery. And thanks for letting me know that the guests that I'm bringing to you here are making a difference for you, that they're touching your heart and opening you up to some new ideas. Every week we have talk about topics that are important to the recovery community and have guests that are down-to-earth, knowledgeable, and innovative, people who are either in recovery themselves or who work with or write for recovering people. And we're always bringing you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. You can listen to Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. You can, of course, listen live via your computer or your smartphone. You can go to Stitcher.com and download their app and search for Spirit of Recovery. You can also, if you have an Alexa-enabled device, use that, and you can um, listen to Unity Online Radio to Spirit of Recovery through that. Just ask Alexa to play Unity Online Radio on TuneIn. And we've got lots of great archives, so um, you can listen to podcasts anytime you want to. Just go to unityonlineradio.org slash program slash spirit of recovery, and you've got just wonderful variety of great guests and uh, great information and inspiration that will make a difference for you. So I want you to know that Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place, and if you're a person that's in recovery of any kind of addiction, if you're a family member or friend of somebody that's got the disease of addiction, you are welcome here. And know, too, of course, that family members and friends can also get in their own recovery process. So um, recovery is uh, for everybody, and it uh takes many forms and because this disease of addiction and the family aspect of the disease of addiction takes many forms and everybody can recover if you choose. Also, you're really welcome here if you're just curious about uh, addiction and recovery, you're curious about spirituality, you just want some information, want some inspiration, I'm glad that you're here and you're welcome. You're welcome to participate by asking a question or making a comment to my guests either via the online uh, via the email or or uh, by calling in. I want you to know also, if you like what happens here on unityonlineradio.org, it is a nonprofit endeavor. If you like Spirit of Recovery or any of the other great programs, you can make a financial donation. Text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone, and you can make a one-time or a recurring contribution. Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a unity minister and also an addictions counselor, and I'm a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction, 
And 35 years ago, those relationships were catalysts that got me started on a path of recovery and uh, personal spiritual growth as a family member and friend. And uh, so the unity principles and the recovery principles are a real important part of my life, and they keep me growing. So I'm delighted to have the opportunity to share these ideas with you about spirituality and recovery. So we have a very special guest today. He is... Uh, the founder and host of a podcast about, guess what, about recovery. So uh, I thought that would be fun to have uh, another podcast host here on Spirit of Recovery. So we'll be learning all about um, what he does, and uh, you'll find out how you can listen to his podcast. So it'll be great. My guest uh, is Omar, and Omar has a podcast called SHARE, and that's S-H-A-I-R, and that stands for Sharing Helps Addicts in Recovery. And, you know, we're living in an incredible uh, day and age here because there's so many resources available right at your fingertips, right through your smartphone, right through your computer that can support recovery. And these recovery podcasts like we do here and on Spirit of Recovery and like Omar does and like there's many others out there are a wonderful, powerful, and easy way to access resources for recovery. And uh, these podcasts bring experience, strength, and hope, and they they bring inspiring personal stories, practical wisdom, and new insights. And so my special guest today, Omar, is the founder and host of SHARE. And you can um, find his podcast if you go to www.thesharepodcast.com, and it's SHARE, S-H-A-I-R, so you can listen to his podcast. And he's going to talk to us today and share with us today how his passion for recovery and podcasting came together to create the SHARE podcast. And what he does is he interviews uh, every week recovering alcoholics and addicts from around the world, and it reaches around the world and touches lives. And all of his stories, of course, are stories of success, of recovery, and uh, his guests share with you what works for them. So, Omar, welcome to Spirit of Recovery. Hi, Anna. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, I'm really, really glad you're here. So, um, Omar, you uh, are also a person in long-term recovery yourself. And um, if you would, I'm going to ask you first to tell us a little bit about your recovery story, how you came to recovery, and then we'll get around to talking about your about the SHARE podcast and how you got involved in that and how it works and so forth. But would you share with us a little bit about your own recovery story? Sure, absolutely. How much time do I have? Oh, years and years, Omar. You must have a good story. I bet you do. Uh, yeah. Too too much to tell on a on a spiritually based uh, recovery show. Well, no, but, what do you uh, mean by that, clean, Omar? No, no, just don't cuss. Otherwise, you can tell tell us how it is. Spirituality okay, means getting, right. healed, not getting good. Well, you know, I, uh, a big part of my recovery today is is absolutely, without question, the spiritual aspect of my recovery. Without it, I wouldn't have been able to to actually embrace and thrive in recovery. So, just I, I just like to start off by saying that that is a very important part of my relationship with recovery and as well as with God. Um, but it wasn't always the case, uh, and and which is probably what was so easy for me to fall into the temptations of drugs and alcohol. Um, I grew up in a family uh, where uh, my mother is a, a Jehovah's Witness, and um, so there was a lot of uh, religious pressure uh, when we were growing up. And so there was three of us kids that were in the home, and, and by the time we were old enough to make up our own minds, we all walked away from from that religion. It would just it was just wasn't congruent with with our own personalities with what we were looking for. Um, but because of of the animosity that was going on in my home, because my father wasn't a Jehovah's Witness, he actually was, and he left. My mother stayed in, so there was that constant sort of turmoil in the house between you know us being part of that religion and my father not being a participant in it. Um, so when we left, or at least when I walked away. I not just I not only walked away from the religion I also walked away from God. Um, I just felt as though 
that that wasn't a part of my life that I needed and that I could do things on my own. And so, so became my, my journey. I, I, you know, going to high school, going to college, you know, getting, getting uh, my careers. And along the way, you know, there was a lot of drinking that w- was just part of the social atmosphere. And what I found was when I was about, oh, 17 years old and I went to my very first party and I drank uh, my first set of beers, about 17 years old, and... You know, this warm, easy feeling of of comfort just kind of blanketed over me. And I just felt as though for the first time that I was a part of, that I was accepted um, for for many years, at least growing up, because I didn't really have um, an identity for so long. It was almost like the religion gave me an identity that I, I just kind of followed suit. I just, whatever... I was a follower. I definitely was not a leader. And so all of a sudden I was with a bunch of people that were all doing the same thing and I just felt comfortable. And I knew from that moment on that I was going to be drinking for the rest of my life. I had made a a decision at 17 years old that that was going to be it for me. And then when I turned about 19 years old, um, I discovered marijuana and I started smoking weed. And that was the other, I mean, it was just this, amazing amazing drug that was so different from the alcohol and it just it changed my demeanor because when i drank alcohol i became very loud i became very boastful um in very many cases aggressive but marijuana just put me at ease and it was just a matter of just being there almost like noticing what was going on around you in absolute slow motion so that was my beginning stages of adopting my alcohol and drug um, lifestyle. And so for, for many years, I was a weekend warrior. Uh, I was a blackout drinker. Um, I would wake up the next day with black eyes. I would not know what happened to me the night before. Uh, when I was 25 years old, I got arrested for the first time. I got a DUI, ended up in jail. Um, and that was terrifying for me. And I was always the kind of person that, based on the consequences, is how I made my decisions. There was never really any kind of forethought to my actions until there was a negative or a positive consequence to it. So if it was a negative consequence, like getting a DUI, I said, okay, I can't do this. You know, this is not for me. I, I, I can't be drinking and driving. Um, and that was my very my only um, DUI that I'd ever gotten. Now, at around that time, I also was told that I had to go to AA meetings as part of my um, as part of when when I went to traffic school. Uh, I, I'm sorry, when I went to court, uh, one of the things that they told me was, okay, you're going to have to go to drunk driving school. You're going to have to go to AA meetings. You're going to have to pay these certain fines. You're going to your license is going to be suspended for six months. And so what happened was I still drove illegally for six months. I probably drove the best I ever have in my life. But again, it was one of those situations where if I drive super careful and I don't get caught, then I should be okay. And it was a constant sort of me talking to myself, just kind of weighing the pros and cons, but always making these decisions completely on my own without ever consulting anyone else. So... I went to my first AAE meeting as well, and I was just floored. I could not relate. I, w- I definitely did not feel a part of. There was all these people talking about where they were at and how God had helped them, and you know, and, and this is the bottoms that they hit, and that they used to do this, and that they used to do that. And I was like, what a bunch of losers. I can't believe these people are actually here right now discussing their personal lives and things. You know, I come from a Latino background, and you don't air your dirty laundry. You don't go to therapy. You don't discuss this with anybody else. Everything stays at home within the family. And so I I had to go to 14 AA meetings. I didn't even know how I was going to deal with it. Um, and at the end of the meeting, I, was, I went up to the person who was moderating. I said, who's in charge here? And they said, nobody's in charge here. So I walked over, and I said, what do you mean nobody's in charge here? Yeah, no, I'm, we're just, uh, there's one of us volunteers to chair the meeting. I go, well, I need this court card signed. And he goes, oh, you're one of those. 
So I said, yeah, I'm, I, I need to get my court card signed. He goes, well, anyone here can sign your court card. Just ask the person who's chairing the meeting. And so one of my aha light bulb moments went off, and I just in that moment realized that I could go home and sign this card myself. So it was my first and last AA meeting. And, and just to give a, a kind of a brief kind of a, like a, a, a sidebar is that I love to get away with, with, with things. So I knew. So so me turning in a court card that was signed by me that somebody else accepted as truth was a win for me. Like I felt like you know, like, wow, I've gotten over some on somebody, and that was a, that was a, a, a sense of pride for me. So these were the kind of things that that would go on in my life. Now, for the most part, this is how the early stages of my drinking and drugging were. Weekend warrior gets in lots of trouble on the weekends. Uh, I'd get into fights, I'd get beat up, and then I'd say, okay, I'm not going to drink for a month, two months. One time I didn't drink for, I didn't drink for six months when I got the DUI. And so fast forward to when I moved to Costa Rica is this is when the serious problems started. When I was in the States, I was terrified of consequences. But moving to a new country like Costa Rica, I didn't feel like there was any consequences whatsoever. So as soon as I got off the plane, it was like, no DUI, no record, no rules, and everyone that I met when I came down here was rock star partying. It was a bunch of expats down here. All they did was drinking and smoking pot and a lot of other recreational drugs. So my first introduction to cocaine was at 28 years old when I, came, when I got to Costa Rica for the first time a week after I got here. And the first time I did cocaine, I just came to life. It was the most amazing feeling I had ever felt. Forget the, co- forget the alcohol, forget the marijuana. This was it. This was what was missing from my life since I was a teenager, since I was in high school. You know, I could have done so much better in high school and college. From that very first hit, I was hooked. And, and thus became this wrecking ball of just of havoc that I wreaked not only in my life but in the people around me. So what had happened was all my family was still in California. I moved to Costa Rica, so I was by myself. I met this girl, I fell in love, and that was to be, you know, very soon her and I would get married. So I, I met this girl like the day I, I came to Costa Rica, I fell in love. And I also met this group of people that we were partying like rock stars. And so what happened was I went from somebody that was a weekend warrior to somebody that was an absolute everyday user. From the moment I started doing cocaine, I was smoking weed every day. I was drinking every day. And very soon after that, I was doing cocaine every day. And the thing was that for, for many of us that know this, it takes a while before we completely blow out all of our uh, dopamine re- re- receptors. So at first, it's rocket fuel. And so I came down to open up an online e-commerce business, and I was just flying. It was like I was floating through space, and I was setting up the call centers and setting up the computers and networking and meeting people, and I was at hyper speed. Like everything was like super, super hyper speed. I was, I was getting investment capital. I thought I was like on top of the world. But it quickly started to turn on me. And so here I was in this, this kind of like conflict between all this heavy drug use, this new woman that I fell in love with who was not on board at all with the recreational drugs. Right, it's one thing to drink and smoke weed. It's another thing entirely to be doing cocaine. At this point, I was doing ecstasy, cocaine, doing mushrooms, popping whatever kind of pills were at the party. You know, tremendous amounts of alcohol on a daily basis. I mean, the, I would be drinking in the office the entire time, doing cocaine the entire time. And so for me, it just, it, it, I got on this railroad. It, it felt like I was on this runaway train. And it just kept picking up speed and picking up speed and picking up speed. And I just could not stop. So as we start getting towards the end, after that first year, it started to start to backfire on me. And I would disappear for days at a time with 
unmentionable friends and we would go down to the beach and we would lock ourselves up in in hotel rooms and we'd just be doing drugs the entire time and days would go by and 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 people would go looking for us i remember one time i was driving through the streets i'd just seen the movie enemy of the state and i thought that there was bugs and 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 micro uh bugs or type of uh, tracking devices were put in my clothes and in the car and i start taking off my clothes and throwing the clothes outside the car freaking out the people are after me they're after me they're after me before i knew it i'm driving around i'm in my underwear i don't know where i'm at the 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 drugs had started to kind of come down and i'm staring out the window and i realize i've got no clothes on and i don't know where i'm at you know and these are the kind of things that were going on in my life that were just absolutely crazy and um, at the tail end of it all i just got i'd gotten so bad uh, that I went on a trip to to uh, Montreal. I went to, to Canada on a convention. And we were supposed to put together a business deal. And I got off the plane, and the first thing I did was to immediately start looking for drugs. I asked the taxi driver where I can get some cocaine. I'm, I'm with, one of my, with one of my employees. They're imploring me, please, please, please don't get any cocaine. We don't know who this guy is or, or where, where he's going to get it from. Um, and I said, don't worry about it. I've got everything under control. Uh, he takes me to this unbelievably dangerous part of town, crack addicts all over the place. I ended up buying some, some cocaine from this crack addict. Um, we get back to the hotel. I think it was Ajax or something. I snorted it, I, and I almost burned the entire inside of my nose. It was crazy, crazy things like this that were just out of control. And then uh, when we finally were to, supposed to meet with these people that we were supposed to be doing with, I'm so wasted. I'm so completely out of my mind that I just start talking. I just start saying these crazy things and bragging and, and, and high-fiving and smacking other people in the butt. And the employee was just like, I, I, can't, I can't believe this. We're, we're done here. We're done. He calls up my other partners. He's like, dude, the deal's done. The deal's done. They want nothing to do with this. Oh, it's a mess. You got to get them back. You got to get them back. So as soon as I got back to Costa Rica, they had changed the locks on the do- of uh, the lock, changed the locks on the um, on all the office doors. Um, I, there was an intervention that w- that ensued. Uh, all my partners pulled me into the office and said, "You're going to rehab, and you don't have a choice in the matter." Uh, my wife at this mo- at, the, at the time I had I had gotten married. Um, and, uh, sh- and, 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 um, my wife and I, we, we gotten married and she was pregnant. And so when we got to the, I, I got to the, to the, uh, to the office and they said, okay, you're done. You're going to rehab. Don't worry. You'll get your salary. Uh, we'll pay for the rehab. You're done here. You've got no business being in here. Um, and so I was like, fine, I'm going to, I'm going to take off, take off to rehab. Um, and that was basically the, the rock bottom that I hit that sent me to start going to meetings and start seeing recovery. It was kind of a forced situation. But I remember that at that same time, um, I, was, I had gone to go see a therapist, and the therapist had told me, he said, listen, I can't help you. You're a drug addict. You need to go to meetings. And since my only recollection was back in the AA meeting seven years ago, I completely rejected it. And then at that moment, when those guys kind of barricaded me and the intervention ensued, that's when I decided, you know what? I think I need to go see that therapist. I, need to, I think I need to go find those meetings. So I went to my first meeting around that same time during that intervention when I was supposed to take off for, for, for rehab. And this time, it was a very different experience. This time, when I walked into that meeting, I felt at home for the very first time. What was different so for you, Omar? Yeah, what, uh-huh. what changed for you? You know, when you're telling your story, the thing that really stands out to me, which is true of addiction, and, and really you kind of said it early on, is that everything was externalized. It was on, you know, when you were active in your addiction, or it was like maybe like everything was about external consequences. But, but for recovery to sort of take hold, something has to start to shift. Somehow you've got to ha- start having some kind of internal sense of yourself. Does that make some sense, or is that kind of somehow what happened for you, and that that's what made these well, meetings different for you, or what? How, how, how was it different this time? 
Well, because, here's the thing. At that moment, I know that that's exactly the case right now. Like if I were to explain it, that's how I would explain it. But at uh-huh. that moment, it was just an undescribable feeling. So before, for whatever reason, I didn't connect. But at this particular time, I don't know why I was receptive. I don't know why I was open. Maybe it was the absolute desperation that I knew the jig was up, that mm-hmm. everybody was it couldn't be everybody else. It had to be me at this point. I, could, I no longer had the luxury of blaming anybody else. And so when I was sitting in that meeting, maybe it was the first time I listened, but I, I just connected in there. I was listening to everyone share their story, and I go, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, that's me, uh-huh, yeah, I get it. And, I, and that un, undescribable feeling of connection, which is something that I craved even early on, when I was 17 years old and I drank for the first time and when I smoked weed for the right. first time, it was that undescribable feeling of that, that, that feeling of being a part of, like everybody in this room gets me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of times that's what fuels, as we all know, that's what fuels the addiction is that I want to belong and that makes me feel like I belong, of course, until it doesn't. But Absolutely, absolutely. And so, and so... You know, I started going to meetings and I started, you know, that my journey to my journey into recovery started in that moment. But just like many of us that start in, we don't know what we're getting into. We just know that for a moment there we have this this moment momentary uh, this this reprieve, this momentary reprieve from all the insanity that's going on in our head. And we we have this little glimmer of hope that kind of peaks that, you know, kind of that, that we can peek into. We can actually see a little bit of hope on the horizon. And so, you know, I started kind of jumping into this thing, right? Um, but at this time, it was, it's very, it was very chaotic with, with my, my wife at the time. She had had enough. She had already kicked me out of the house. And, um, you know, it was th- through this kind of uh, turmoil that, that was really also the catalyst for me to really get into the program because once she kicked me out, I was like, wow, I think these guys can help me get my wife back. So again, I didn't, yeah. have, the, the, I had, I didn't have true motives for being in the meetings the first time. Uh, my, my, whole, my whole real reason for being there was because I needed to, I, I wanted, not I needed to, but I wanted to get my wife back. You know what I mean? I do, and you know it's funny because it doesn't matter what the motives are. <laughs> it's it's just that if you're there, it's kind of cool. It's like higher power will reach out and grab you. What whatever got you there? Whatever you're sitting there thinking about, I think higher power is well, laughing. Saying, we tell people this all the time: bring the uh-huh. body, the mind will follow. Don't ask any questions. Quit asking why and just ask how, because. Uh-huh. You know, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know how it works. I don't know why it works. I just know that it works and that it worked for me. And I remember that when I was a few months sober and my daughter was born and I was in the delivery room after she was born and I'm holding her in my arms for the first time. I always tear up when I go into the story because I can, I can picture myself holding her in my arms. And just that undescribable feeling of defeat, of absolute, utter despair. Because in my mind, even though I had a few months of sobriety, I was a train wreck. I was a disaster. And I did, I just in that moment felt like, oh my God, your dad is a drug addict. You know, and, and I remember sitting there for one, in, in, in one of the very few moments in my life, years after years of first turning my back on God, and then so many years of just asking God, please get me out of this mess, and I promise I'll never do it again, to a true, honest connection with a higher power and just going, God, help me. I can't do this. I, I have I am so powerless right now, and th- I I don't want my fa- I don't want my daughter to be raised by a drug addict. I don't want my daughter to have a drug addict for a father. And I and in that moment and in the hospital, I made this this declaration that somehow some way 
I was going to do whatever it took to be the best father that I could be. And that was the, 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 what I would have to say, one of the strongest catalysts for my recovery. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. Thank you. You know, it takes what it takes. And uh, I'm grateful, grateful for your daughter. I bet you are too. Well, I'll for- tell you this. She's, she is 13 years old, and, and I'm 13 years clean and sober. So, so um, I definitely give her a lot of credit. But, again, just like I tell everybody else, whatever it takes for you to hold on until the miracle happens, until all of a sudden those, those spiritual awakenings just start to, they start to cascade one after another once you really start getting involved and do the work, doing the steps, making meetings, really connecting uh, with, your, with your group and with your higher power, all of a sudden you go from whatever it was that was anchoring in you into a true desire to change your life. That's powerful. It's time for our first break here, for our break. Um, Omar, thank you so much for what you're sharing with us. Thanks for your honesty and, and um, your candor. Your openness here, and um, it's a powerful, powerful life that you're living in and how you've been touched by that presence of uh, your higher power. My Thank guest you, is Anna. Omar. It's my pleasure. You're welcome. You're welcome. We'll be right back. Stay with us. I'll be here. Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. You have a coach in your corner. A life coach, that is. Like a coach in sports, a life coach can help you set clear goals and develop the confidence and tools you need to achieve them. Join certified life coach Carla McClellan Tuesdays at 3 p.m. for Vibrant Living on Unity Online Radio. Each week, Coach Carla and her guests will share strategies and solutions designed to help make your life more focused, more meaningful, and more vibrant. Do you have a specific issue or topic you'd like to discuss with Coach Carla? Call in toll-free Tuesdays at 3 p.m. during Vibrant Living, Life Coaching with Carla. If I were brave, I'd walk the races with fools and dreamers dead and never how is life working for you? Would it be okay with you if life got easier, simpler, yet more meaningful and vibrant? Join certified life coach Carla McClellan Tuesday afternoons for Vibrant Living. Each week, Coach Carla and her guests will share strategies and solutions designed to make your life more vibrant. Is there something in your life you'd like help with? A dream you'd like to achieve? A relationship you'd like to improve? Call into the show toll-free for Coaching with Carla. That's Vibrant Living, Life Coaching with Carla, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Central on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What if we're all meant to do what we secretly dream? for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. 
Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. I'm very glad you're listening with us. And if you're just joining us, again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. And I've got a very special guest today. He's another podcast, a recovery podcast host. His name is Omar, <laughs> and um, Omar is the founder and the host of SHARE, and that's S-H-A-I-R, and that stands for Sharing Helps Addicts in Recovery. And uh, Omar uh, got uh, very interested and combined his passion for recovery and for podcasting, and he and created SHARE. And so uh, we're, it's just fun to hear his story and hear all about his life and how he himself has gotten into recovery and uh, really appreciating that. Before I get back to my uh, conversation with Omar, though, I'm going to invite you to join me for a brief meditation in the Serenity Minute. So I invite you to do that, to just relax, to take a moment, to feel that presence of your higher power within you, around you, that presence of love and, and uh, guidance, that light. And share with me this constructive idea. My mind and my heart are filled with my higher power's light, with my sense of my own self and the love that is who I am. And so I let go and relax. My mind and heart are filled with the divine light of my higher power, with my own sense of self, with the love that I am. So I let go and relax. And we take just a moment in the quiet. for joining me in the Serenity Minute and I trust that that was an opportunity for you to take just a moment to focus on a constructive idea and to relax and to open up your heart and your mind to your higher power as you understand it. So now I'm back to my conversation um, with my guest, Omar, and again, the host and the um, creator of the SHARE podcast and you can listen to Omar's podcast by going to www thesharepodcast.com, and it's S-H-A-I-R, podcast.com, and you'll hear lots of great programs on there. So, Omar, thank you so much again for uh, sharing your life with us and uh, sharing uh, what you experienced, sharing your choice to get in recovery, and uh, with a little help for your friends, it kind of kicks you maybe a little bit in the rear end, but got you in there. And you stayed, though, so it doesn't matter how you get in there. What matters is that you stay in there, and you, t- you did. That's the deal. So tell us about the about how you got into creating a recovery podcast. And, again, so wonderful, so great now. You know, there's so much resource available to people. So thank you, first of all, for what you're doing. And how did you get into it? Well, thank you again. Um, it is a, it's an honor and a privilege to be of service. And um, I got into to this idea of doing a podcast when I was about 10 years uh, clean. Um, I, I pretty much just celebrated 10 years. And uh, one of my assistant, the, the one that worked for me, she kept telling me about this great podcast and you know, that I needed to listen to this amazing podcast is called Entrepreneur on Fire. And, uh, you know, she kept bothering me about it. And, you know, I, I ignored her for the most part. And uh, then finally, one day when she went, she was relentless about it. She, I, I asked her, what's a podcast? <laughs> so um, I'm one of those uh, one out of three people in the world who has, who has no idea what, what a podcast is. It might be more, actually. So then finally she tells me a little bit about it and she, she says, I'll tell you what, if you let me, I'll download it on your phone and that way you can check it out. And so she downloaded it on my phone and my commute was about 45 minutes there and back, but 45 minutes to an hour sometimes depending. So I had plenty of time to listen to stuff. 
And so all of a sudden, I'm listening to this podcast, and I fell in love immediately. It was just like, wow, this is the coolest thing ever. Just being there, listening to these two people interact, talking about business. And it wasn't just about them talking business. They would talk about their defeats and their bottom, rock bottom moments. And, you know, what was the catalyst that got them back on top and this and that. And I just remember going, this is amazing stuff. And they would recommend these books. So I started downloading all these books and listening to audio books and listening to podcasts. And this is what I did for about a year, back and forth to work. I absolutely loved it. And then um, one of the, the, the same Entrepreneur on Fire guy had this podcast program on, it was called Podcaster's Paradise, that taught you how to make a podcast. And he had an introductory rate. I think it was like $350. It was so cheap, right? And I go, I, I can't pass it up. Lifetime membership. I, I got the, the membership, and then I let it sit there for like a year. Didn't do anything with it, right? And then uh, I met my wife. I met my wife, and, uh, you know, my first year of marriage, lots of fun, you know, was, you know, one of those amazing moments in my life that uh, is – I can only uh, give credit to my higher power and, and my recovery program and the, and the recovery program that I worked because it was through that that I was able to actually meet and appreciate my wife. Uh, so anyway, we, you know, I, I ended up uh, meeting my wife, and in the course of that – you know, I was telling her about these podcasts. I told her about my this podcast paradise that I'd purchased and blah, blah, blah. And I remember one day she goes, you know, you talk about this thing all the time. You don't do anything with it. You know, so she called me out. And I was like, oh, man, I'm compelled here. I got to do something. And at first I was going to do an, uh, another entrepreneur podcast for people, for successful entrepreneurs, expats in Costa Rica. But I just could not find any way to get motivated to start it at all. I couldn't think of a name. I couldn't think of, you know, how to put together a website. I just kept floundering. And then, um, you know, after being in recovery for 11 years now, at that point, at that point I was 11 years, um, I'd gone to a speaker meeting and somebody told their story. And I just remember going, man, you know, I love hearing speaker meetings. I just love people telling the story. I love when people hear my story and they tell me how much they love my story and how it helped them out. And I go, well, why don't I do a recovery podcast? And from there, it just almost overnight took a life of its own. It just morphed. I started talking to my to my friends in recovery, I started talking to my sponsor, talked to my wife. I'm like, I want to do this. They're like, I think that's an amazing idea. I'm just going to have people just, you know, their, their, their concern was don't, don't trample all over the traditions, right? right. Um, but, you know, be careful with that. But I said, no, it's just about people that are going to share their story, their recovery story. They don't have to mention AA or NA. They don't have to promote it. Right. I talk about it because I just that's that was part of my journey, but I'm not here promoting it. I'm just saying that that is what saved my life. And so I just started running with it. And the beautiful thing about it all is that the more I got into it before I knew it, I knew I was onto something super powerful. Um, I started interviewing my friends at first. And um, the first story that I recorded um, I finished editing it and I had my wife listen to it and I was on my way home. I had already sent her the audio. She was listening to it at home and I was on my way home. When I walked in the door, she was sitting at the dining room table. She was crying and she says, this is such an amazing story. What you are about to do is going to help so many people. Yeah. And we both started crying and it was just, so impactful, was so heavy that I knew that, that, that there was a power greater than me that was now at work. Right. And, and you know, how's that? Right. Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah. yeah. No, no question about it. So, mm -hmm. and which kind of, which kind of brings me to, uh, my little, my little saying, which is something that I always, I always say a lot, which is HP baby and HP baby stands for higher power baby. And uh, very early on in recovery, what, what would happen was 
Um, I was a, I was a, a, an NA junkie. I was in meetings every day. I was chairing meetings, sponsoring four or five guys, doing you know area service. I was I was just like I was so committed. I was doing recovery like I was doing my drugs. And this was probably for the first five years in in my recovery. And I have I had family members, husbands, wives, mothers, fathers. They'd come to me, you know, and they go, "Oh my God, I don't know how to thank you." I don't know how to thank you. He's doing so good. She's doing so good. Thank you so much for what you're doing. You know, you 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 know, you're you're helping so many people. I just want to thank you. And I go, you know, don't thank me. Thank God. HP baby. You know, and they go, "Well, what do you, what do you mean?" I go, "I am just the I I enjoy being the pipe. I am certainly not the well." Okay? This is I mean, everything that I say is regurgitated to the best of my ability. And all I do is just connect with my higher power and hope that, that what I'm saying is steering people in the right direction. But I, I don't like to take credit for these things. And I've been doing it for, you know, I've been clean and sober for 13 years. And there has never been a time where somebody has thanked me and I'm like, oh, you're welcome. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. I just, for me, it's so dangerous. I walk a thin line with the ego and the humility. So for me, it's always thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Um, he was my inspiration for for starting this podcast. I, I you know I prayed and meditated daily, putting this thing together. Every time I go on to interview someone, you know the first thing I do is just ask God, you know, help me, God, help me, guide my words, guide my thoughts, guide my actions, help me get out of my own way, you know, and 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 let's deliver a message of recovery. You know, the whole purpose here is to help other people, and that's really. The reason why the Share Podcast is here, it was, it's, it's a medium for helping thousands of people all over the world find recovery. You know, be, be, between the podcast, the private Facebook group, the, all the social media, uh, emails, private messaging, all these different avenues that I have to connect with individuals. I managed to connect with people all over the world that have reached out to me. And what I find is that there's so many out there that are still so hesitant to take that next step in their recovery. I've been there. I think we've all been there. You know, what is that next step that I'm going to take that's going to dynamically change my life forever? And the fear of, of that change, the fear of losing a husband or a wife, the fear of people at work finding out, the fear of not being able to drink and use anymore right, completely for the rest of their lives has people frozen. And so they listen to the podcast and they go into the Facebook group and they interact with the other people in the group, but they're doing it from the privacy of their own home with no pressure. You know, before you know it, there's these people going, I'm never going to go to a meeting or I'm never going to seek this thing or I'm never going to go do this. And before you know it, they're like, wow, I just went to my first meeting and it wasn't that bad. I really had a good time. Oh my God, I just got a sponsor for the first time. I'm feeling great. And it's just the most amazing feeling in the world. It's, it's almost indescribable. Um, but when you do something that doesn't benefit you in any way, shape, or form, um, other than just this true feeling of, 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 of just like being a parent, right? There's this, when you're a parent, you're not expecting your kids to, to pay you back for the love and, and the service that you provide to your children. And it's just like recovery, you know. It's not, it's not about what I'm going to get out of this, you know. I get so much out of it, just, just that undeniable feeling of satisfaction and love that I get from my higher power that goes, you're doing it, man. You're, you're doing exactly what you need to be doing. You do the work. You do the work. I'll take care of the rest. Right. It's what a great avenue of service. It's like a really amazing way. Like you said, it's like you're a bridge for people. What you're doing is a bridge. Higher power, open that up. HP, baby. Yeah. <laughs> it does. It absolutely does. The people that the bridge gets opened up and... And, and I'll tell you, it was little by little. You know, you started the Facebook group, and, and my friends would be like, oh, I, you know, I don't know about this. And they'd get in there, and i go, hey, this is kind of a cool thing. It's a safe environment. It's, it's a private group, so you're, it's not like you're promoting um, anything about being in recovery or seeking out recovery. 
Um, so it's a safe place to discuss things that are going on in your life. Um, and then they start interacting with each other, meeting each other. So it's bridge to a network, bridge to recovery, right. bridge to a higher power. Lots of people, lots of people that have a problem with the higher power concept. So mm-hmm. that's also a very huge uh, helping factor there and kind of crossing over, on, you know, removing that stigma behind, you know, what people have, like myself, grew up around is, and, you know, they're, they're the dogma behind the religion. Right. Yeah, it's like uh, maybe in that safe place of being able to interact online in a safe group, it's like you can, people can express what bothers them about the spirituality part and maybe make some, get some new insights or whatever, release some old hurts. I don't know. What do you find happening? How do people move into a new relationship with their spirituality? It's the same as with the, the any other topic. Um, they go into the private Facebook group. Uh, they make a comment as far as, you know, I'm really having a tough time with this idea of a higher power. And then you have you know, 15, 20 people that will actually give their own feedback on what it was that they did to overcome that or what their personal view is or, you know, what was taught to them. So it's a very safe place to receive information. And then these people are allowed to just digest it on their own. It's not like they're sitting in front of somebody and sometimes you almost feel compelled to do something, say something, feel something when you're in front of somebody physically. But when you're online and you're at home or you're on your phone or whatever the case may be, and you can look at these comments and you can digest them and you can go, hmm, you know, I hadn't thought about this like that. and Maybe I'll read it tomorrow and, and that kind of a thing. It, it, it's just like anything else. It allows them to digest this information in the safety of their own home, in the safety of their own phone, and then allow themselves to make their own decisions and maybe practice a little bit of what they see. You know, they, uh, practice just sitting there and meditating for a minute for five minutes in the morning and see if something, somehow you can connect with something, anything, you know, or, or just, just, you know, come up with a, a concept of God that, that you feel comfortable with and, and, and maybe that's your God. It's all these kind of very soft ways of introducing higher power in but for many of us at least myself because i know this to be part of my recovery journey is that at first that feeling that i used to get that almost intuitive um this almost intuitive desire to move or take action in a particular direction in a positive direction it wasn't until later on that i realized that i had a higher power working in my life and whenever I would pray and ask for help or ask for guidance, that things would prevent, present themselves in my life that later on were undeniable for me. I'm like, that was a God shot. There's no question about it. Seek and you shall find. And so I think that people in there are also discovering God on that same, on that same level in that same way in their own time. For sure, yeah. That's the only way it can really be real. And I think the 12-step people, you know, really understood that early on is that it's got to be your higher power as you understand it and as you relate to it. That's what it, helps it, people. Yes, absolutely. It's it, yeah, it's the God of your understanding. And for many of us, it's, it's the only philosophy that will allow us to connect because later on, in, as your recovery propels itself, or as you propel into recovery, um, like everyone that I know, like every, at least in my network, and you know, again, I've been, I've been going to, I've been part of a recovery program for 13 years. I've got friends that I've had for over a decade that uh, uh, that I got clean and sober with, and we all, all have the same connection with a higher power. I can't say that we've ever sat around a table and had a discussion about our belief system ever. You know, it's never, it's never even been a topic other than we've always managed to give him, give God credit for, for what's going on in our lives. That's the only, 
that I would say is the 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 uh, the consistency in our relationship as far as you know the higher power aspect is that when we're in, we're in, we're in a group together we're discussing things somebody just had an anniversary somebody had a birthday we're hanging out together we're at a meeting blah 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 you know and we're having discussions about any other topic right when it comes to the higher power aspect it's just an unspoken um, understanding that we all believe the same thing. I, I don't know how else to describe it. It's just this undeniable knowing that everyone in this room has a higher power. No question about it. And we are thankful to that higher power every single day. Absolutely. Omar, I want to thank you so much for being my guest. Our time is, is up. Uh, but do you have any last word for us about, um, again, I've told, given people your web address, but anything else you can say about how people can access Share Podcast, what they might expect uh, to hear? You've already shared a lot with that. And just uh, as we get ready to sign off here. Well, if you're looking to hear some really exciting and, you know, heart-wrenching stories from real people. Um, I don't have any celebrity guests on my podcast. I have people just like you and me that drive to work and back and need to connect with a higher power on their commute to work. And I have people on here, real people, that share their stories, the, the wreckage, the drugs and alcohol caused in their lives, all the people that they hurt, and then their journey into recovery up until today. And it's so uplifting and so heartwarming. So if you're looking to hear some uplifting stories of recoveries, of success, please check out the Share Podcast. The easiest way to find me is just go to the website, uh, just like Anna had said, www.thesharepodcast.com. Share is spelled S-H-A-I-R. And there you'll have links to iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud. Uh, you can listen to it right there on the website. And join the Facebook private group. If you're feeling a little bit squeamish about starting your recovery journey, do it online from the privacy of your own home. Uh, there's so many of us that are that are waiting for you, and we'll welcome you with open arms. That is fantastic. So, again, Omar, thank you for being my guest. Thank you for doing the Share Podcast, and I know it's higher power working through you. So thanks for saying yes. <laughs> HP, baby. Thanks, Anna. HP, baby. All right. God bless. Blessings to all you, you listeners. Have a great week, and we'll be back next week on Spirit of Recovery. Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. moment we live can be holy and all we need to do to experience that state is to make the decision to do so everything we do can be a prayer and by using our innate creativity with intention in every aspect of our lives that can indeed be true author carla kincannon wrote creativity is so much more than art making it is a tool for navigating through everyday experiences to find the sacred in each God-given moment. Discover Creative Spirit, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time, and experience the joy of connecting to spirit through creative expression. There is a story about a man who died and found himself at the gates of heaven. The gatekeeper offered to give him a tour. First he took him to hell. The man saw tables laden with a sumptuous banquet. This can't be hell, he said. Look at all this wonderful food. 
But as he looked closer, he noticed that all the people were weak and emaciated. They'd been given three-foot-long forks, and they couldn't get the food to their mouths. Then the gatekeeper took the man to heaven. Tables there were also piled high with a variety of wonderful foods. The people had also been given three-foot-long forks, but looked happy and well-fed, because they were feeding each other. The point of this story is obvious. Life is more enjoyable when we help one another. Changing your thoughts and actions can result in positive changes in you and the world around you. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries, sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. On the Dropping In podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify. Spotify.